The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, our call is to leave the wasted years behind, 
to leave the darkness behind, to take a stand for Jesus Christ and serve him only, to be filled with his presence and his joy, to be washed and made clean, to find a new life, a life of service to Jesus. And then in Luke, the 11th chapter, I read for you, And he said to them, Who from among you will have a friend and will go to him at midnight and may say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, since a friend came to me on a journey, and I have nothing that I will set before him. And he, having answered from inside, may say, You must stop causing me trouble. The door's already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give to you. I say to you, even if he will not get up and give to him because of being his friend, at least because of the shameless persistence, after having been awakened, he will give him as much as he needs. And so I say to you, you must keep on asking, and if you will be given, and it will be given to you, you must keep on seeking, and you will find... You must keep on knocking, and it will be open to you, for everyone asking receives, and the one seeking will find, and to the one knocking it will be opened. Now, which father of you, if your son will ask for bread, he will not give him a stone, will he? Or even a fish, he will not instead of a fish give him a snake, will he? Or even if he might ask for an egg, he'll not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father from heaven give the Holy Spirit to the one asking him? Lord Jesus, I am asking for the fullness of your Holy Spirit today. I'm asking for the Pentecost baptism for your church once again. I'm asking, Lord, that you would come in great power for each person listening. You see their circumstances. You know their heart. You have examined them carefully. You know the cry of their heart, the agony, and the joy. I ask, Lord, that you would come with mighty power to each. We are seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are standing by faith on your word that if we ask the Father, he will give him to us. And I am asking you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost power. I'm asking that you would move in this nation and bring peace. I'm asking, Father, if you would guard the life of our president, that you would change what's happening in our House of Representatives. I'm asking, Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven and bring forth righteousness in this land. I'm asking that you would bring your Holy Spirit in power among us. I ask, Jesus, this in your holy name. Amen. Well, welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Today is an offertory day. 
we still lack $250 from being able to meet the payment due for the month of September with WEVA. Now, we started yesterday, we were still $670 short. One brother gave 300 Another sister gave 50 And another sister gave 70 Now, this particular sister, my dear, thank you. She has given, I think, three times. Her heart is for the gospel of Jesus. And I thank you. I thank each of you who has so faithfully given. But I can't continue teaching. There's so much that needs to be brought forth in this crisis hour of our nation. This is not a time to pull away and back up. And so I'm not. I'm going to stand boldly and say, brothers and sisters, if this broadcast has meant anything to you, now is the time to help us. We are $250 short. I know that that could come in 10s and 20s and 15s, or I know one person could simply give 250 and allow me to broadcast a call to holiness today. I leave it in your hands. I leave it in the hands of Jesus. I don't have the ability to raise this money. I just lift up my hands to Jesus and trust him to move in your hearts. If you'd like to give, would you call and make a pledge? Call 877-534-0780. Drew will answer the telephone and he will take your pledge amount and he'll text me that amount so I know exactly where we're at. He's at the Weva studio and I'm in my home studio. So would you call and make a pledge? We don't need your name, your phone number, your address. It's between you and Jesus. So would you call right now with a pledge and help take care of this 200 and $50 that stands in our way of being able to continue with Pilgrim's Progress. 877-534-0780 And God bless you as you give. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am light 
take my hand Precious Lord And lead me thank you. I thank you for the gift of $100 that's just come in. It is an offering unto you, Jesus. And I thank you for that blessed person who gave. I pray, Lord, now the last $150 can be quickly taken care of. Lord, I just lift up my hands before you. I trust you to move in the hearts of your people that we could remain on the air with this broadcast, but, Lord, it's in your hands. I trust you to bring forth what you desire. Lord, thank you. I praise and honor your name, Jesus. Amen. 
We're still 150 short of having our goal. Would you quickly call as the Lord prompts you? I'd like to see this taken care of so I can move forward and bring the gospel to you. A very straight, honest, unvarnished word. We desperately need that today in Washington, D.C. There has to be a change, and we have to have the full baptism of the Holy Spirit to wake us up, to call us out of our slumber. We are in such a dangerous place right now as a, as a nation. Our government is in such a precarious place. There are enemies who would take advantage quickly of this. The progressive element in America is pushing forward ideas that are totally un-American and non-Christian. They are pushing agendas that will destroy this nation. Therefore, the abortion, the murder of babies, and every other unclean thing. I just stand today as a beacon in the name of Jesus against the progressive onslaught of our nation. Now, I don't get into politics on this broadcast, but I'm telling you now, we are about to enter a nighttime of judgment from God if there is not a severe change in our nation. So we're $150 short yet. I need to hear from you if God is moving in your heart and calling you to give. Would you do that right now? Call 877-534-0780. You're not limited to giving 150 or whatever amount you give. Our work would be so much easier and so much better if we were not constantly strapped financially. So if you can give a larger amount, please would you do that? Some of you have the ability to give a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand, whatever you can give. It will go for the work of the gospel. And you can hear it day by day. I need a brand new computer. My computer is so old. I'm having difficulty with it. There are other things that need to be replaced and done to build up this broadcast. If God is moving in your heart, would you open the way that we could be on the air and proclaim Jesus and bring the gospel to people, the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus? Well, we're 150 yet to go. God bless you as you give. Gone unbelief, my Savior is near, and for my relief, will surely appear. My prayer let me wrestle, and He will perform. Christ in the vessels I smile at the storm 
Dark waters lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried. Yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And
We have the victory today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, David, for your commitment to Jesus and for your giving. I know the Lord moved in your heart. The goal is raised and September radio is now covered and we can move forward fully with the month of October proclaiming Jesus. And this is going to be a month of transition in our nation. We're right on the edge. And I'm going to cry out day and night for the Holy Spirit, and I ask that you would pray for me as I'm praying for you. This is not optional. The church has operated too long in the fantasy of the flesh, thinking we could do our little programs and our little outreaches and that somehow We were going to make a difference in our nation's culture, but instead our churches have been pretty much turned into the culture of the world. The world's music, the attitudes, the fighting, the social life, the entertainment. We need a real, a church that's real. We need need God's people to come together and search after him and pray and cry aloud. We'll do that this month of October on the radio. There is no middle ground. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. If you would be free of the tyranny of this life of sin, then you are going to have to accept the lordship of Jesus over your personal life. Remember, he said, come unto me and I will give you rest. But he also said, take my yoke upon you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. No one can find rest for your soul in Jesus who does not take his yoke upon you. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. There are but two masters. Every man must serve one. No one can serve both. Every man faces the question, 
Who is to be my master? His answer determines for him all of the issues of time and eternity. There is no middle ground. There is no place you can carve out for yourself and say, Oh, look. Now, it would be a mistake to suppose that the choice of serving Jesus as Savior and Lord is made but one time. Marriage is supposed to be until death do us part, and no one has a right to enter a marriage with any other intention. But unless the vows exchanged at the altar are constantly reaffirmed and implemented in deed and life, the inner spiritual essence of the marriage will perish and the outward form most likely will be terminated by something other than death. In marriage, if there is not a spirit of forgiveness, if the accusations begin to build, if the if the marriage is not filled with compassion one for another, if there's not a gentleness, if there are demands and accusations and hardness of heart, that marriage will fail. Even as our relationship with Jesus will fail in the same way. Many seem to be somehow wanting to be the people of God, but they don't quite want to be saved from their sins. They wish only sins. Any salvation which does not save one from his sins, as well as from their consequences, is a delusion. One cannot be part of his people. While giving your allegiance to the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's a story I heard many years ago. I want to share it with you. It's a parable. It's the parable of the wild duck. The wild duck flew in the springtime northward across Europe. On his flight, he happened to come down in a barnyard in Denmark where there was a gaggle of tame ducks. Now the wild duck ate and enjoyed some of their corn and remained there for a while. At first he decided to stay only one hour and then for one day. Then he remained a week and then a month. And because he liked the good food and the safety of the barnyard, he ended up staying all summer. One autumn day, when his wild mates were winging their way southward again, They passed over the barnyard where he was. He heard their cries and was so stirred by the old thrill of joy and delight that he flapped his wings and rose to join his mates in their flight. But he had become so soft and so heavy that he could not rise above the top of the barn. He sank back again to the barnyard and consoled himself with the thought, Oh, well. My life here is safe, the food is good, and every spring and autumn when the wild ducks flew over his barnyard, he heard their cries. His eyes would gleam for a moment, 
and he would begin to lift his wings to join his mates. But the day came when the wild ducks flew over him and uttered their cries, and he paid not the slightest attention. The compromise was complete. That's what we're faced. That's what we're faced with right now. Many in the church have become so soft and they're barnyard ducks. They enjoy the entertainment. They enjoy what's happening in the church. They haven't won anyone to Jesus. They've never engaged in the battle for a soul. Have you engaged in the battle for a lost man or woman? Have you endured the struggle and the prayer and the tears to draw one out of the world of darkness into the camp of Jesus? Or have you sunk down in the barnyard, the church barnyard, and become so soft and so comfortable and so filled with your own life that the cry comes, but you can't fly? You've become too fat, too soft, too self-contented. It's time to wake up. It's time to get right with Jesus. There's a, a part of Pilgrim's Progress named after the book. It was written by John Bunyan. As he sat in the prison cell, he was not soft, he was not fat. He was sober. And he wrote this number one allegory in the English language still today. And he speaks about the journey that Christian is on. And in that journey, he makes his way day by day and he comes to a place called Vanity. Now, in that town of Vanity, there is a market called Vanity Fair. It bears the name because the town that hosts the fair is only concerned with things that are unimportant and vain. All that is bought and sold at the fair is likewise vain and worthless. As the ancient saying goes, all that cometh is vanity. This fair is no new business, but has been established from ancient times. Let me tell you about its origin, its history. Almost 5,000 years ago, there were pilgrims walking to the celestial city, just as Christian and faithful were doing. Belzebub, Apollyon, Legion, with their companies, seeing that the pilgrim's path went right through the town of Vanity, conspired together to set up a fair in which all sorts of vain merchandise would be sold. All merchandise consisted of houses and lands and trades and places, honors, positions, titles, countries, kingdoms, lust, pleasures, delights of all sorts, such as whores and lewd entertainment, wives, husbands, children, masters, servants, Lives, blood, bodies, souls, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and and what not. Now Bunyan calls all of these things vanity. 
He's right. The only reason any of this becomes important is when it is employed in the work of the gospel. There are no part-time Christians. There is no middle ground. Now, part of what we struggled with in our, in our time as we shared at the National Prayer Chapel this past Sunday, one of the brothers used the term autonomy. Autonomy. That somehow we seek to have some autonomy from Jesus in our heart. That we want to carve out a place for ourselves where we can just have our place. We don't want to serve the devil. We don't want to serve Jesus too much. We just want a place where we can make decisions about our own money and our own life and our own time and what we want and where we want to go. And We all talked about it and confessed those places of autonomy in our own lives and said there can be no more. It's over. There's no middle ground. We cast autonomy out of our lives. We are totally given to Jesus. Can you say that now, please? Would you say that right now? There will be no autonomy in my life. I am given entirely to Jesus. Can you say that? There will be no autonomy in my life. I am given entirely to Jesus. Did you say it? Will you make it be true? At this fair, you can always see juggling and cheats and games and plays and fools and apes and knaves and rogues, and that of every kind, and also to be seen at no charge are thefts and murders and adulteries, false witnesses who cause death with their lies. Well, you can see all of that on television, can't you? You can see that in the YouTube videos, can't you? That's all a part of Vanity Fair. I urge you to turn away from the internet and turn away from your cell phone and seek after Jesus. Your cell phone will not take you to heaven and the internet will not take you to heaven except as it is given in the service of Jesus. As in other affairs of less importance, where there are several rows and streets all properly named for the different wares that are vended, so also Vanity Fair has the proper places, the proper kingdoms and countries, and their wares are all found there. Here's the British row, the French row, the Italian row, the Spanish row, the German row, the American row. And then you also find the Internet and the television and the videos, and the movies, and the Redskins, and the Steelers. You find them all lined up in Vanity Fair. Now, Bunyan writes, As I said, the way to Celestial City lies right through this town where this lusty fair is kept. Anyone going to the celestial city will not go through this town, but must go out of the world. The prince of princes himself, when he was here, went through the town 
to his own country. I think it was Belzebub, the chief lord of this fair, who invited him to buy some of his vanities. He even offered to make him lord of the fair if only he would show his reverence as he went through the town. Because the prince was such a person of honor, Belzebub took him from street to street and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a short time if possible, trying to allure the blessed one to cheapen himself and buy some of the vanities. But the prince had no interest in merchandise and left the town without spending so much as one penny on anything there. This fair is a great, ancient, and long-standing place. Now these pilgrims, as I said, must pass through this vanity fair. And so they did. But as they entered into the fair, they created a great commotion, and all the people in the fair turned their attention to the two pilgrims. There are several reasons for this. First, the pilgrims were dressed differently from the people trading at the fair. The people of the fair looked at them in astonishment. Some said they were fools, some said they were lunatics, and some said they were just outlandish men. Very quickly, could I say something, please? I'm very troubled today by the dress or the undress of both men and women in our culture who call themselves Christians. I see women dressed in very tight jeans or in the spandex workout where every curve of their body is highlighted for everyone to see. There is absolutely no shame utterly exposing themselves. A few years ago, this would have been considered utterly indecent. It is still indecent. Low tops, exposing cleavage and breasts. It's not decent. It is what the world is. It's what Vanity Fair is. It's what the the wicked women do. And yet today, many Christian women are this way. And the men are wearing very short, close-cropped pants and suit jackets with outlandish hairstyles, with tattoos. And all of this is supposed to be acceptable before Jesus. It is not acceptable before him. It is outlandish. It's, it's goofy. I saw a man... His hair, I can't describe the mess it was, and yet he thought it was combed and probably paid a lot of money to get it cut that way. With his high pants and his bright-colored socks and his funny tennis shoes with his suit. Well, yeah, funny tennis shoes that ran about $1,500. This dress that's going on And Christian women and Christian men are being drawn into it. There is a total lack of sobriety. When Bunyan wrote this, the pilgrims walked into the Vanity Fair. They were not recognized as being a part of the vanity. They were dressed soberly. They were dressed as people who have business. I watched a very short video on Iran describing 
the Christian movement, a great movement of Christians going on in Iran. The fastest growing church in the world today is the one found in Iran. Maybe a million Christians in that nation, growing 20% a year. My heart leapt with joy. I saw the three men who were being interviewed by a Fox News broadcaster, an anchor. These three men were dressed soberly. I was so proud of how they were dressed. The Fox News broadcaster was dressed like a goofy man without any dignity. Is there anything important in how we dress? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I see people show up in churches in in shorts and T-shirts, flip-flops. Are you kidding me? There's a total lack of sobriety, and that's a reflection of the heart. I don't care so much. A sinner comes however he is, but a man or woman who calls himself a Christian, be sober in Jesus, don't play the fool. Be different than the world. Come out and be separate from the world. Don't touch the unclean thing. Now, I know some of you are probably angry about this. I have to say it straight. It's time to get serious with Jesus. This world is ending. And the way you dress is a representation of what's going on in your inner person, in your heart. So dress soberly. Beautifully, but soberly. As strange as the pilgrim's attire appeared to the onlookers, their speech was judged even stranger. Now these these pilgrims did not curse. They didn't use the F word. They spoke with kindness. They didn't speak with sarcasm and bitterness and and harshness. There was a, a gentleness in their speech. And thirdly, the thing that annoyed them most in Vanity Fair is these pilgrims had no interest in any of their merchandise. In fact, they turned their eyes away from much of it because it was indecent. Well, we're almost out of time for the broadcast today. We're going to come back tomorrow. I thank each of you who's making it possible for me to be on the air, and I'm going to say it straight and unvarnished. I do not apologize. It's time to turn off the entertainment and get serious with Jesus, else you'll just be a fat duck that can't fly. You won't be able to do the warfare of winning the loss to Jesus. Now, as we close today, I want to pray with you. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the gifts that have come gifts that have been brought to you, Jesus, for the work of the gospel. Lord, I thank you. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that you will move with great power among those listening to this broadcast, that you will touch them, that you will cause them to say, I must serve Jesus, and I must be baptized in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, for the last day is upon us, and who can be saved? Lord, send forth your Spirit now, please, 
and bring forth the glory of your Son. Jesus, I love you. I rest in you today. My confidence is in you, and I ask you to please pray to the Father for me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, intercede for us today. Quicken our hearts. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh